Today on Points for Trying, we are looking at some inventions that were powered by water. So if you've ever dropped your phone in the toilet, you're basically an inventor. Hey everyone, welcome back to Points for Trying. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jessica. And together we celebrate ideas and inventions that weren't successful, but are still worth remembering. People have been harnessing the power of flowing rivers for centuries, but in the early 1800s, this trend started moving indoors. At the time, running water was becoming common in homes, and all that water needs to be under pressure for it to move through the pipes. It didn't take long for inventors to harness the, quote, untapped potential of all this pressure. <laughs> water was used to power appliances like sewing machines, fans, washing machines, and kitchen mixers. They all worked basically the same way. Hook it up to a faucet, turn on the water, and stand back as a water wheel inside spins a motor while pouring gallons of drinkable water right down the drain. So that sound that you hear right now is every California resident screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> uh, this, this was not uh, an eco-friendly way to power your gadgets, but yep. Depending on the pressure and flow rate at the faucet, water-powered motors could get about a third of a horsepower, or about 250 watts. That's about as much power as a modern kitchen mixer. And a third as much power as a modern horse. <laughs> if the situation called for some actual electricity, water-powered generators were also available. Kids with rich parents could play with an electric train set complete with a mini Hoover Dam generating power from the kitchen sink. These were simpler times when children were actively encouraged to mix water and electricity. Those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> What's your favorite appliance? So mine definitely is the water-powered washing machine. I love the idea that the energy contained within the water was used to, you know, move the drum around and, and slosh the clothes around, but also the water was used to actually wash the clothes. And I think that's such a cool idea. I like the idea of the water-powered train set. I'm just a big fan of trains because it reminds me of my childhood Christmases, going to my aunt's house and having trains set up there. That is kind of fun to imagine. Before electricity was common in homes, when they had running water, they could just like hook up a little faucet and like they literally have a little generator in their house and it's powering the trains. I mean, this is kind of cool. It's It's... Well, our ancestors would have been much more familiar with water wheels anyway. Mills were a big thing back then. Yeah, I wonder if they called them like indoor mills or something. Like what, what would the average person think of like, oh, I've, I've got my own water mill inside my house. Fun fact. When I was growing up in my hometown, we had a family restaurant and one of the rooms had a water wheel inside it. I don't think it powered anything, but that was my favorite spot to sit next to when we ate lunches and dinners there. It was right next to the water wheel. I could sit and watch a water wheel spin around for fucking hours. And it's calming and mesmerizing, like watching a fire. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I can kind of see a parallel between this and the early days of the internet, because this kind of came about in that in-between time when people had water, but they didn't have electricity coming to their house. So they're like, well, let's just use what we have to generate electricity. And well, if you were using the internet in the 90s or the early 2000s, uh, you probably remember internet going through your phone line. And I like I, I keep thinking of that where like, you know, before the infrastructure is built out, people just use whatever infrastructure is there. Absolutely. It makes sense as well. Although my question is, how frequently did people get electrocuted or how frequently did these things short out and start a fire? Oh, boy. I would presume it's easy to put the fire out because the water is literally right there. Probably more often than they do nowadays, but also I feel like using electricity in general was kind of rolling the dice back then. Uh, The fact that there's water involved is icing on the cake of danger. We still use water-powered generators in dams today. Plus, I wonder which came first. Did big electrical generators come first, like the dams? Or did they figure it out at the miniature level and say, we can scale this up and make it into the Hoover Dam? I think they probably occurred somewhat concurrently because the operating principles are pretty much the same. One of the devices uh, uh, that I have some pictures of was literally a fan. And like, oh my God, you usually leave fans running either all the time or overnight or during the day. And this thing is just spewing clean water (laughs) into the drain. Like this must have been so wasteful. (laughs) Unless, unless, and hear me out. If it came from a well and went back into a septic tank, although that would have had to have electricity. So I guess that wouldn't have been a thing. (laughs) What a conundrum. (laughs) And that's the thing, because this invention is all about transferring energy from one form to another. And I thought maybe there is the craziest way to move them back and forth. Because let's say you're running one of those toy electric trains. So the train itself has a motor in it that's running on electricity, and you generated that electricity from this water wheel that's hooked up to your sink powered by water. But that water had to get to your house, which means at some point it was pumped. And that pump probably ran on electricity. And if you live in... (laughs) See, you know where I'm going with this. If you live in Nevada... (laughs) There's a likelihood that that electricity came from the Hoover Dam, which runs on the water in Lake Mead, which means your electricity started out as water pressure, went to electricity, went back to pressurized water, got to your house, and then went back to electricity, and then that electricity was used to spin wheels on a train set. (laughs) It's really a chicken or an egg sort of thing. Which came first? (laughs) That in some ways is the energy industry where nobody's creating energy. We're just moving it from one form to to another. I feel that way about my body and coffee. I get coffee, which energizes my body, which then prevents me from sleeping, which then means that the next day I get more coffee and it's a cycle. Oh, I was going to say that You drink coffee so that you can stay awake during work, and then you do work to get paid, 
And then that money goes into buying more coffee. <laughs> Both of these are true facts. Both are true. <laughs> we're just we're just transferring coffee into money and then money back into coffee. <laughs> and then at some point we transfer it back into water. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Oh, that is so poetic. <laughs> This is all really fun. I love this invention. The hooking water up to your electric train set must have been a fun time to be alive. But for us, it's time to go to the ad break. Today's episode of Points for Trying is brought to you by Brondo Energy Drink. Are you still drinking water when you need to hydrate? Water's what they put in toilets. Gross. Crack open a can of Brondo and get the electrolytes you need and delicious flavors like blue and red. Brondo can even be used to water your plants, because it's got what plants crave. Brondo, the thirst mutilator. A wise man once said, Mo money, mo problems. And if you're an economist, that means more math problems. In 1949, William Phillips was building a device to demonstrate the workings of the UK economy. It was nicknamed the MONIAC, short for Monetary National Income Analog Computer, a very nerdy reference to a different computer called the ENIAC, or Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer. That might not be funny to you or I, but in the 1950s among nerds, that would have fucking killed. They're high-fiving him at the bar. <laughs> the device itself moved colored water between a series of containers in a way that mimicked the flow of money around the country. Containers were bank accounts, and the pipes connecting them represented things like taxes and government spending. It was originally intended for demonstrations in classrooms, but it worked so well that it could actually predict the effects of different policy decisions. How awesome is that? When was the last time a science project that you did worked so well that, like, actual scientists came by to examine it? Well, my last science project was planting a bunch of seeds and they all died, so nobody was using that work. <laughs> Just imagine if, like, you made one of those baking soda and vinegar volcanoes and then, like, actual geologists... <laughs> Like, called you up and were like, can you do another demonstration? We need to figure out what's going to happen in Hawaii in 10 years. <laughs> I guess at this point, we should probably talk a little bit about how analog computers used to work. And full disclosure, some nerdy stuff is going to happen right now. Okay, but I'm going to be the one who speaks for all of us non computer nerds because let's be honest if you're listening to this right now you are a nerd but for those of us who aren't computer nerds i will ask all of the questions that you probably have in full disclosure i only kind of know about computers so we're just we're just gonna see how this goes so most people know that digital computers work with like ones and zeros and analog computers worked a little bit differently so i thought the best way to explain it would be like an example Let's say you wanted to know how many people were inside of a concert hall at any given time. Okay. So if you had a container of water and you poured a cup of water into that container whenever anybody came into the room and you ladled out a cup 
whenever anybody left, the water level in that container would represent the amount of people that were in that room. Tracking so far. So in a way, that's a computer that's making one single calculation at a time and can only store the results of one calculation. But the water computers were doing that with lots of different containers connected to each other in different ways. So now, let's say you wanted to sound an alarm when 100 people were in the room. Maybe you would have like a float switch at the point where, you know, a hundred cups of water would be in that container and then it trips a switch and, you know, sounds something. So it wouldn't matter how many times people came and went, i.e. how many times you put a cup of water in or ladled a cup of water out until you hit that 100th cup of water cumulative, it would hit that switch, kind of like the floater in the back of your toilet. Exactly. Okay. What it's really doing is when you pour a cup of water into that bucket, you're basically inputting in plus one. And every time you ladle a a cup out, you're inputting in minus one. And it's keeping in its memory, which is just how much water is in the bucket, the answer to this calculation that you keep doing continuously. Okay. I am tracking so far. Nice. Great. So... The, uh, the Moniac and, and water computers in general are a lot like that, but with multiple buckets connected to each other in different ways. And, and the, the calculations, once you have a lot of these, can get really, really complex. So this water computer, are these buckets all on the same physical level and it goes left to right? Or is it like a ladder and there's a bucket up top and a bucket below and a bucket below that? They're not on the same level in Mr. Phillips's implementation. They're kind of all on this big board and they're, they're all like these square containers. But the big part of this is there's pumps. So a bucket that's lower down can still feed a bucket that's higher up because there, there's a series of pumps that are drawing water from different parts of the machine to other parts of the machine. Okay, so it is not just using some sort of physics or gravity to be able to put the water in the different buckets. You're actually computing by telling it where to put that water into which bucket. And it doesn't matter if it's higher or lower on that wall where the buckets are being held. Exactly. Because of the pumps. Yeah. And if we wanted to bring it back to our like concert hall example, if we had an escalator that we knew brings in one person every two seconds into the lobby or something, we could hook up a garden hose with a pump that pumped, you know, half a cup of water per second. And this is kind of what the water computer was doing. All right. Fantastic. And the Moniac was neither the first nor the last water computer. In 1936, Russian scientists developed a method of computing with what they called the water integrator. It followed the same basic principles as the Moniac, but was specifically built to solve what are called differential equations, which are challenging even for modern computers. These equations are very common in the field of physics, and water integrators found use in some problems well into the 1980s. And as a side note, bringing in the theme of this podcast that everything is space, uh, those Russian water integrators were used to design, you guessed it, Rocket engines. (laughs) 
It should be a drinking game for points for trying where you have a shot glass of your beverage of choice and you take this shot every time we figure out where it ties back into space. Well, that's what I've been doing all along. (laughs) (laughs) For those of us who don't understand what differential equations are, what is your most simplistic answer to that question? What are differential equations? Essentially, differential equations are kind of solving for a value where the rate that that value is changing depends on the value. Again, we're going to use water for all of the examples, but imagine a really big tank full of water with a hole on the bottom. How much water comes out of that hole is going to depend on the water pressure, which is going to depend on the water level in the tank. So you have a high level of water in the tank. That means that you currently have high water pressure. So it's pushing the water out that hole at the bottom at a higher pressure. And then as it gets less and less in the tank, the water level goes down. Then the water pressure goes down. So the flow rate out of the hole goes down. Right. Now, if we were just emptying a tank with a pump that could empty one gallon per minute out of the tank we could calculate the water level of the tank over time very easily. But with this hole at the bottom, it becomes a differential equation where how much water is coming out of the tank depends on the water level in the tank. So if we're solving for how long does it take for that tank to empty, it's a lot more complicated, and the answer basically depends on a differential equation. Okay, so fellow uh, non-math nerds like myself hope that's clear as mud, but I I do understand what you're saying about the water pressure and the tank. That makes sense. And that's the differential equation. So, okay, so that's what this Russian water computer was calculating. And that is what they used to send Russians into space? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, among other things. Okay. This is actually kind of amazing because a lot of problems in physics involve these differential equations and the way that they were solving them with this computer is basically using water, you know, using something where the physics of it moves around in a certain way to solve physics in a different way, like, you know, the the pressure inside of a rocket engine. It's kind of cool and the nerd in me gets really excited about all of this. I'm nerdy in a very different way, and so this is very confusing, but neat that they were able to figure it out. Uh, But back to this computer, I'm imagining that that meme of that guy pointing at his head, because your computer can't get water damage if it is water. (laughs) Huh? 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 I'm pretty smart. (laughs) (laughs) I think that it will absolutely work in the apocalypse that's when you will see this come back we're gonna say we have no electricity anymore we've blown ourselves up but what we have is this stream over here so let's solve some differential equations (laughs) (laughs) oh man i hope that makes it into the next mad max movie where they've got like pipes and valves and streams and everything and they're like fighting over the water computer like I want to watch cat videos you're you're taking up all of the river <laughs> that would be peak human stupidity to use up all of the river to watch cat videos with water computers <laughs> I would do it I would do it if I'm alive in the apocalypse and I can fashion myself a water YouTube. I'm just going to watch cat videos until all the rivers dry up. (laughs) Which might be 10 days, depending on how the apocalypse occurs. (laughs) All right. 
It's about that time again. Does it get points for trying? Let's start with the faucet dynamo. Oof, the faucet dynamo. Faucet dynamo gets a point right off their bat because I like the word dynamo. Always a good idea. Yep. It gets a point for, I love inventions where it's in this transitional time where like things are new. We don't know what the standard is going to be settled on. We, we don't know that electricity is coming and that's how all of our gadgets are going to be run. So we just start hooking them up to the sink and, you know, spraying water everywhere. And that that's how we get our electricity. I love that. And it gets a point for mixing water with electricity and, and just living on the edge. <laughs> okay. So for me, it gets a point for being practical and it gets a point for being something that we could bring back. Should we ever find ourselves in need of electricity, but we've had some sort of catastrophic event happen, electromagnetic pulse, the end of days, something like that. We could make it work. I want to give it another point for being a miniaturized version of something that we still have today. We still have dams that create electricity and the fact that they were able to miniaturize it and bring it into the home at a time when that wasn't something that was done yet. That is really inventive and neat. Yes, it didn't last very long, but it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't completely a failure. So, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. Okay, water computers. I think it gets one point for the analog nature of it. You know, was this the, the hipster vinyl of the computing era? <laughs> Where like, yeah, this, this digital computing, it just doesn't have the warmth of water computers. <laughs> it doesn't sound the same. <laughs> um, it definitely gets a point for being space related. And it definitely gets a point for that very nerdy, but funny to the right people pun on its name. The, the Moniac, based off of the other way more famous computer called the ENIAC. I have to agree with that assessment. Yep. And also, it was a computer that calculated monetary policy, and its name kind of sounded like money, which I think was intentional. Well, for me, it gets one point for being something that was created for one thing but proved to be quite efficient for actual economic study and i also think it gets a point for being something that is so complex that you had to explain both how computers work and differential equations to myself and all of us here at points for trying so Fans, if you are still here, thank you. And for that, we're giving it another point. And if you are an expert in computers, please tell me how wrong I got that explanation. Okay, so at the end of the day, it was a very close race, but we have six points for Fawcett Dynamo and five points for Water Computer. I think these are some of the higher points numbers we've been getting uh, lately because we've been finding things that are very efficient and awesome. You know, this is uh, point inflation is rearing in its ugly head. <laughs> but yeah, we might, we might just keep giving more and more points. You never know. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And if at first you don't succeed, it's all water under the bridge.